Support for Pivot comes from Vanta. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Now, you can assess risk, secure the trust of your customers, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, HIPAA, and more with a single platform, and that platform is Vanta. Vanta's market-leading trust management platform helps you continuously monitor compliance alongside reporting and tracking risk. Plus, you can save time by completing security questionnaires with Vanta AI. To learn why thousands of global companies use Vanta to automate evidence collection, unify risk management, and streamline security reviews, watch Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash pivot. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash pivot to watch Vanta's on-demand demo. Wow, that guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I am the first person in the history of our economy to figure out a way to lose money on crypto. Okay. We're going to get into that in a second because we have a whole section on Coinbase, et cetera. Okay. Oh, we do? Okay. We're going to, yes, oh. we do. I know you're not paying attention. Just, you're the pretty one. I've decided to dub you the pretty one. I'm glad one. you realized that. Yeah. I'm the, I'm well, you you're not that, that pretty, but you're the pretty one in this pair. I'm the smart one. You're the pretty one. I like you're it. like Daphne if it was, uh, if it was Scooby-Doo. I'll take Daphne. it. Yeah. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, Daphne. That's right. That's Daphne. You know, we one. are the new, uh, that new game with our, with Leia, our great Dan. Oh, we're that's new, right. We're that oh. new game. Oh, that's nice. That's good. All right, we got a lot to talk about. There's a lot of news. The news keeps it coming. The news yeah, keeps it, it coming. It won't stop. It well, won't stop. Will not stop. But you know, the thing <laughs> one this week was the Johnson and Johnson COVID nineteen vaccine being halted by federal uh, health officials as they investigate six U.S. cases of severe type of blood clot associated with the shot. Uh, I'm not going to have you be Doctor Galloway here because I don't. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of doctors think it's a good idea. Some, a lot of others like Nate Silver. Are punditing about medicine. I'm not going to do that, but what do you think this does for vaccine hesitancy and, and the, the brand brand vaccine, Scott? Well, look, it, it hurts, but uh, that's why any uh, media is attracted towards movement and violence and differentiation. And mm-hmm. the reality is these vaccines have been such an enormous win so far. Uh, do you remember all the bullshit amongst uh for lack of a better term, bless people who are economically secure and who are healthy, who were saying this kind of this narcissist playbook of, I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait a little bit and see what happens and how it all plays out. And, yeah. And that I know has what been, I know, but okay. Yeah. Okay. Of the blessed that, people. I, I heard that a lot. Okay. Um, and that has been suppressed and gone away because, uh, you know, my sense is it, this, uh, these vaccines are mm-hmm. arguably, if you actually believe in data, uh, arguably the most successful vaccines mm-hmm. uh, or the safest vaccines in the history of vaccines. And then we have the the, the J&J uh, uh, incidences. Which is a one-shot and not easier to manage, so it, it is being targeted at places that have less uh, okay, but my understanding is it's somewhere between one and a half a million and one in a million that have had this reaction. Yeah. 
And someone pointed out that when a woman takes responsibility for birth control, yeah. which it's always on the woman, mm-hmm. there's like a one in 10,000 chance there is of a blood clot. So yeah. it's like we're, we're, we're comfortable with one in 10,000 women getting a blood clot well, when they, they take responsibility for, women for birth studied. control. But yeah. one in a million with vaccines? Unacceptable, according to Fox News. Uh, 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 you know, what's really interesting is that it's um, you're going to have, uh, with any kind of treatment, you're going to have problems. That's it. That's just the way it's going to go. And, and what's interesting is, though, I talked about it yesterday on Twitter Live, and it was astonishing to me that so many anti-vaxxers were on my were on my live Twitter. And I was like, you need to shut up because I'm not going to respond to you in any way, you awful people. I just was sort of like, it was any 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 tiny little thing in here they, they went for. So that's my only words because there was also a poll that came out uh, that was, again, fascinating that half of Republicans aren't going to take the vaccine. Half of them. Well, I, I think Fox Democrats should, are at 60-some percent taking the vaccine, and Dem, uh, Republicans are in 26, 28 yeah, percent, yeah. and half of Republicans are not taking it. Well, vaccine hesitancy has basically um, been a function of, of three groups, and that is young people, mm-hmm. people of color, and then hardcore Republicans. Yeah. And we've made a lot of progress on the first two. Yeah. It's the said. third that is standing hard. And look, life is, life is any action you take yeah. is a series of trade-offs. Yeah. Leaving the house involves risks, but the trade-off is you get to go out, you know, to Publix, yeah. or you get to go to Chipotle, right? Yeah. Which is wonderful. Which is or wonderful. Or like the Turks and Caicos. But go ahead. <laughs> there you go. You're shoving my white privilege in my face. <laughs> um, you can get a blood clot at Turks and Caicos, anyway. Bet you can. <laughs> you can get a Bloody Mary too. But go ahead. Seriously. Go ahead. From the whatever it is, I don't even know what the local cuisine is there. I guess I'll find out. Mm. Um, the local cuisine for the dog in Turks and Caicos <laughs> is going to be zacapa and edibles. The local cuisine for That's Karen, what's for dinner DC, tonight. Still a year and a half That's later. That's the breakfast of champions. The yeah. breakfast of champion okay. dogs. All Anyways, right. All right. but look, uh, life is a series. Every decision you make is a trade-off. And you know what the best trade in the world is? Mm-hmm. Getting a fucking vaccine. Yeah. It on, is, if just weird. if you do anything, so you're not worried. You're not you, worried about these things. That this one, you know, this stumble here, which is a stumble, and then that the, the, these polls showing this, because you're not going to get to herd immunity unless these Republicans take the damn thing. Well, I, I go into the ocean, even though there's a chance because it's wonderful, and I t- I try and take my boys in the ocean because my friend Bob Perkowitz outlined the study to me that arguably the best thing you can do for kids who are struggling with anxiety or depression, mm-hmm. which is happening to supposedly about 40% of Americans now in COVID versus versus 11%. It's literally quadrupled. Supposedly one of the most fantastic therapies for children. It sounds obvious, but it's genius. And I've started doing it with my boys is get them in nature. And it mm-hmm. sounds obvious, but a lot of us don't do it with video games, with right. over-programming. It's easy to find a kid that other than his kind of program 58-minute soccer practice isn't spending a ton of time in nature. And I'm All telling right. you, Kara, I throw mm-hmm. my boys, and I realize okay. I'm blessed to be able to do this. I throw my boys in the ocean, and mm-hmm. everything changes. And guess what? There are sharks where I am. Yeah, There is lightning where yeah. I am. And yeah. it is a great trade. And when you take a vaccine, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that the odds are somewhere around not getting struck by lightning, not getting struck, not getting eaten by a shark, but getting struck by lightning while you're getting eaten by a shark. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is just the best trade, I believe, in modern yeah. medicine. We got to figure out a way. That's we should go on tour to get Republicans to take vaccines. You and I convince them. Well, you know what you got to do? You, you got to, and I'm disappointed. You got to make it, you, you got to appeal to their macho. And I you got to appeal to their patriotism as opposed to all this bullshit where it's, 
people seen as liberal talking about it. And well, they're we trying. Get, the government has a whole initiative. The whole thing. HHS. The whole thing. What do you trying. think? I'm, I'm as usual. I'm uh, pontificating. Uh, I, I think. I think it's almost impossible to convince them that they're so stuck in the, this situation right now. I don't know what's going to move them out of this, but anything at all will cause them to say this. Like, it doesn't matter if it's vaccines or whatever. And there was just that appalling video of a, a huge white guy who's in the army, apparently, yelling at a, a very, very much less, <laughs> a small guy, a small uh, African-American man and in a neighborhood in South Carolina that was just astonishing. And he literally thought he, he, it was just, I was like, hello, not taking the vaccine guy. You know what I mean? Like, it was sort of like, and he, this guy was just walking in his neighborhood and he's like, you're in the wrong neighborhood. Keep moving. This, it was crazy. It was this crazy. I just don't know how you change their minds. I honestly don't. I don't know. Yeah, what but I don't, I them. think some people, you don't change their mind. I think you what's know. required is leadership in the army. In, in the, the armed army, services, they should just say you're taking it. Whether you're in the armed services, it. they do that all the time. We're yep. going into a war theater where yep. there's a threat of gas Gas attacks. I don't know if so you were taking vaccine or not, but I'm just saying that was the attitude. That, that was the attitude. I don't know what I don't know what to do to convince these people, except they will they they are hurting other people, and it's the patriotic yeah, thing to do. Uh, calling on their better angels or data does not work for Biden a certain cohort. Keeps working on that, but but here's here's what's so dangerous about an economy booming for the shareholder class. Uh, during a crisis like that, this. And that is, if Walmart stock had gone down 70%, mm-hmm. if someone walked into Walmart, if, if their stock had gone down 70% instead of up 70%, right. when someone walked into a Walmart mm-hmm. without a mask saying it was their liberty, they would have tased their ass yeah. if their stock had dropped <laughs> true, 70%. They'd be like, yeah, you and your fucking liberties, okay, mm-hmm. welcome to my taser of liberty. Yeah. But because it's, well, our stock is up. Yeah. We don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. We haven't yeah. really paid any price. Although businesses are putting it out there. They are on lots of things. But go, yeah, we you're need, right. I think that's I believe, a fair point. I need, uh, I want to say this right now. I, I run a small business. Uh, I have another small business and we're yeah. going to have uh, vaccination protocols. If you, for whatever reason, don't want to take a vaccine, no problem. You can't come into the office. Yeah. And if you can't come into the office, quite frankly, you're not going to have the same economic opportunities that the people who can come into the office have. I respect your decision. Yeah. I get to make these decisions for the health and safety of your coworkers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've been talking to a lot of CEOs and they're very nervous to say so. They're very nervous. It just, But you're right. I would do the same thing. I'd be like, sorry. Lemonade's done it. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of smaller, there's a lot of companies who are signing up. We should have that guy on. We should have Lemonade Guy on and talk. He's fantastic. Like he favorite, favorite All right, last thing, the iconic West Coast theaters, Arclight Cinemas and Pacific Theaters shut down uh, several of their locations last week. Uh, just when things were looking up uh, for movie theaters, and actually I was all excited about F9, the F9 trailer, the Fast and Furious 9 came out, which looked fantastic. You and I are going together. Um this is interesting. These theaters, this is that beautiful Cynodome in Los Angeles and others. So these are these big, iconic theaters uh, that are going. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's just continuing, correct? Is that where we feel this is where we are? Cinerama Dome, I have a real emotional... I saw... Me too. When my mom and dad got divorced, my dad didn't know what to do with me. All of a sudden, he's like, okay, I actually have to pay attention to this kid every other weekend. Oh, I love a good Scott, sad, divorced kid story. Go ahead. You know, it it, it it was rattling at the time, but yeah. having a father who was uninvolved in my life all of a sudden forced to spend every other weekend with me and think, okay, and plan and think, what are we going to do together? Uh-huh. It was wonderful for him, I think. It was wonderful for our relationship. And one of the things we used to do is we'd go see movies. And at the Cinerama Dome, I saw 
uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. Wow. I saw Rollerball with James Caan. I don't remember if you remember that. that was I a saw good movie. I saw Logan's Run. We Logan's used to go Run. To, Oh, and man, it was this amazing theater. And it's definitely death of an icon. The next will be Man's Grumman Chinese Theater, but they they rent that out for events. Uh-huh. But look, movie theaters, their time has come and gone. And there'll yeah. still be there'll still be some of them. But it's just you're we're gonna I gotta gotta think we're gonna lose. It'd be interesting to look at movie theaters versus malls. It feels yeah. kind of very same. Oh, it same. feels same. You're right. It does feel like malls. You know, I covered malls for years and they were they had a they had a moment. They malls had a moment and then they didn't. They just didn't. And now I can't even go into one if you've ever, and God, the pandemic must have just put I worked at a movie theater in high school. I worked at the United Artists Theater in Westwood. Yeah, that's it. And that particular one, the Arclight there are beautiful, beautiful theaters. I've had, I have had great dates there. I've had great times at those theaters. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. But I, I, again, haven't gone in a hundred years and I didn't before the pandemic. And I certainly would wait. Although F9 got me thinking I got to get back in the theater because I want to see F9 in the theater. They've There's done the, nine of those? They've done nine. They're so good, every one of them. Really? Thank you. Yes. Huh. Say nothing against Vin Diesel unless you want to have a fist fight right no, now. No, I've got, I've got absolutely no impression of Vin. I don't oh, know him at all. He's the best. Yeah? Okay. Let's okay. just not, let's not, nice. this, this is an area of, of holding for me. Bring him on the show. Me. I will, I will. I gotta get, Bring you on know, Vin, Vin Diesel. Diesel's one of the top, uh, I remember years ago at Facebook, they said Vin Diesel was their most popular uh, person which was fascinating. Anyway, all right, let's get into the big story breakdown. This is an area that you are completely Uh wanting to talk about, I know. It's Coinbase's Uh IPO, the startup that allows people to buy and sell cryptocurrency. It's been around a long time. I remember meeting them 109 years ago. Um, Its shares uh, began trading at $381 each. That's up 52% from a reference price of $250. It settled back. It went up to above $400, then settled back in the $320s. I don't know where it is right now. But it gives the company a valuation of $99.6 billion based on all outstanding shares, made a billionaire of a couple people, including one guy who came from Google just 18 months ago. Um, That rivals the size of Airbnb and Facebook. Meanwhile, Bitcoin continued to climb to a record $64,000 a piece. Um, Ether traded as high as as 2,000. And Dogecoin, let me just add, cryptocurrency created as a joke was up more than 40%, although Coinbase does not trade it. There was a lot of Doge action in the Twitter Mm -hmm. yesterday. Uh, so like I said, I think I, I, I called my broker and I said, all right, I'm interested in a direct listing. I don't really understand them, but Mm -hmm. I want to see if there's a pop here. And I think Coinbase has a lot of heat around it. So I said, let's buy some on the open. And uh, we bought some at $381. It popped for a hot minute or 383, I think it popped for a hot minute to 410, like right out of the gates. And then over the course of the rest of the trading day, it literally just, waddled down to like 310 and then it closed at 330 and I got out I just thought Jesus this looks like a cliff as mm-hmm. usual I don't understand what I'm doing and uh-huh. I sold and I I think I'm the first person in the history at least the first person to admit it in history that has lost money on cryptocurrency it's my first crypto investment I'm a <laughs> oh, no coiner so you're in and out essentially I'm not <laughs> pretty much go into- uh, <laughs> okay. uh, you know I-, I like to buy high and sell low anyways <laughs> So, but look, the, beyond my beyond my poor investing, the yeah. the learning here, the interesting thing here, is a direct listing versus a traditional IPO. Okay, and it's all about the, the story. And what is total bullshit mm-hmm. is the number that you just pointed out at two hundred fifty dollars. That is a meaningless number. What a reference price? Yeah. What they wanted to do, and it said this on Yahoo, and I still go to Yahoo Finance because mm-hmm. I'm still on AOL and I still have yeah. an Oyster phone. Okay. Um, Clam phone. 
A clam phone. Oh, sorry. I don't even get it right. Yeah. I need to go on CompuServe and figure out what, what I, if I can get a better deal. Um, All right. Anyways, anyways, uh, they come out with this bullshit number that's meaningless. So they can say they can say the IPO is up 50%. No, it wasn't, Kara. This is a broken IPO. Okay. The first trade. Yeah. It, the reference price, what the fuck does that mean? No one got to buy it at, at $250 yeah, so they could say a it's share. Up in three it wasn't. Yesterday, Coinbase, mm-hmm. you're a broken IPO. Because oh. the first trade, the first time Scott anyone could buy it, down. It, yeah. institutions or any retail investor, it closed down, I don't know, what is that, 15 or 20, it closed down 15 or 20%. This is a broken mm-hmm. IPO. And this bullshit right. PR spin, let's say the reference price was 250 Who got to buy it at 250 yesterday? No one. No one so yet. even with a traditional IPO, where all the venture capitalists whine that they aren't getting the pop, you could argue that the institutional clients that do get the pop represent retail investors because if Ottawa yeah. Teachers, the biggest fund of funds in Canada, buys stock in an IPO and it goes up 40%, a third grade teacher sees her net worth go up because she is part of that institutional. Yeah. This is basically- yeah, the price was 381. The price was 381, period. Right. And now so it's down to 334. The venture capitalists uh-huh. got to create heat and got to throw this thing on the market. They got to fling unicorn feces at tourists to the, U- the unicorn zoo and then pretend that this was a successful IPO. It was successful for the private market investors, mm-hmm. but the public market investors, this is a broken IPO. And to a certain extent, you can say, all right, they shouldn't have to give away free money to the clients at Goldman, but you could argue the clients at Goldman are yeah. more, more retail investors did well on the Airbnb yeah. IPO. The direct direct listings basically garner more and more of the uh, of the gains to the private market investors, whereas which a traditional want, IPO, which they want because they're not rich enough. That's right. Whereas the Goldman, uh, the traditional IPO gets the pop goes to institutional investors, which you could argue is still the same old white guys, but it, there is some they do represent, if you will, uh, some some retail investors through pension funds, what have you. So. Look, this is a full stop. Yeah, that 250 thing was, I was like, I thought it's whatever it is on direct listings. I thought it's whatever it's it opens a fucking in, We need to do better. We're proud of the progress we've made. It's something that was invented by the Coinbase PR people, who my guess came from Facebook. That is a lie. There is no $250 number All right, here. but let's get to the point of it. It's still Anyways, worth $66.4 million. I agree with you. I agree with you. It was, a, it was kind of a meh. IPO. Now that doesn't mean it won't zoom up and down again, but um, but it's it's right now at three thirty eight. It's sort of sticking there. It's up a little bit uh, mm-hmm. today, but not. It keeps going down and up and down and up. It's one of these people is don't it? know what to do stocks. Yeah, it's three thirty seven, um, which is down from three eighty one. Which is that's that. That's the way it is. And so Bitcoin surging and Dogecoin for whatever reason is surging. Um, I, maybe Elon went Doge or something like that. So what? Where do we go? What do we do from here? Because because obviously some this is a very important feature. It kind of reminds me a lot of you know, all the heat around Substack and uh, uh, and and Clubhouse. There's something there, but what's what is the reaction of the banks? What what, are, what do they do here? And what's next? Uh, there's just no getting around it. Uh, when you have a company that is that is worth you know as much as traditional banks that started just a few years ago, uh, I think they have to pay attention. And what the reason why I am, I think, a little bit bearish on Coinbase is that if you think about- you lost money. Yeah. One, I'm angry. Uh, two, but you know what? I played with my doc for five minutes and I'm over it. I'm over it. So, okay, good. All right. But if you think about the whole point of crypto is could be, 
kind of distill down to one word, and that's dispersion or decentralization, and then there's a certain amount of efficiency. Uh, the trading fees on Coinbase are a multiple higher than a place like, I think it's Uniswap. There's other more... There's other more efficient ways to trade crypto. It's kind of what I'll call the retail AOL on-ramp to the internet of crypto. It has been around a while. I remember meeting with them a long time ago, but go ahead. But I think the analogy is that they're right now the AOL. They're the on-ramp into crypto. They're retail friendly. They have a nice interface. The question is, uh, will eventually the decentralization where you're trying to cut out middlemen and trying to decentralize just going to go to more efficient means of trading. So like uh, uh, the BNB coin or there's mm-hmm. just other trading platforms that are more what I'll call more efficient and don't charge nearly the fees. So is yeah. this sustainable? But there, there's just no getting around it when you have a company come out at the value of, you know, Wells Fargo or it, 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 this yeah. is an enormously successful uh, company. P-E ratio of 204.8 right now. Well, at least they have E. Right. Most a lot of companies for the first time since guess what? Yeah. 1999, about two thirds of the companies going public don't have an E. They don't have earnings. So the fact that it even has a multiple of earnings is testament to the management team and the business. The yeah, question is, is this something is this something that's going to turn into, I don't know, the ultimate exchange that just pulls away a network effects or is this AOL where it's yeah. just kind of a that is a, a fair point. Yeah. What do you think? What are your What are your thoughts on Coinbase? I, you know, I think it's a feature. For some reason, I have a feeling it's everyone's going to copy it, and it has no moats here. I don't see the moat. I don't think it's like Robinhood seems to have like a fan base. I don't think this mm-hmm. does. You, you know what I mean? Like I, I would just take whatever one's the cheapest, like and the most secure. I guess those are the two things it would be, and that and the one I could figure out how to trade it into real money. <laughs> I know everybody thinks it's real money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Trade it back and forth, um, and then that's easiest to use. It was the only one around for a while, so being early, the pioneers is always great. And yep. at the same time, the planes are covered with the bodies of pioneers. That's what I say. Anyway, yeah. we'll see what happens. I'm sorry you lost money, Scott, but you know, you know that's okay. Short term tax write off. Okay. You know. Yeah, yeah. Keeps As you me know, humble. I still can't find my. Bitcoin, but I will someday, and then I'm going to take you out to Ooh, France. Yeah, that's right. We're today. going to Fast and Furious 9. <laughs> that's right. We're going to buy Vin Diesel. We're going to buy Vin Diesel. Anyway, um, all right, hmm. Scott, there's time for a quick break. We'll be right back and look back on the late Bernie Madoff and a listener mail question. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. 
That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Okay, Scott, we're back. Bernie Madoff, the Ponzi schemer behind the massive financial fraud scam, uh, died in prison this week. Uh, as a reminder, Madoff admitted to swindling thousands of clients out of billions of dollars in investments over decades, and many movies ensued. Uh, more than $13 billion of an estimated uh, $17.7 billion has been recovered uh, from investors, that put, which is a lot, put into Madoff's business. At the time, Madoff's arrest, fake account statements were telling clients they had holdings uh, worth $60 billion. It was really quite something. It was one of those great Wall Street moments, a terrible Wall Street moment, not a great one, but famous one. Um, let's take a look back on this story uh, and dissect what it means for today's financial environment. Guess who we got to do it? Kicking it off, we have ultra MVP, friend of Pivot, Andrew Ross Sorkin, who interviewed Madoff in 2016. Hey, Karen, Scott, it's Andrew Ross Sorkin here. You know, back in 2016, I went down to North Carolina and visited Bernie Madoff in prison. I did it twice and I spoke to him for probably more than six hours Collectively, at the time, I was trying to persuade him to allow me to do the first televised interview with him in prison. He agreed, but unfortunately, I couldn't get the prison to allow me to bring cameras inside. And I'll always regret that the public never had an opportunity to see him answer for his conduct. Not because the answers were revelatory unto themselves, but because the public would have seen what deception looks like. And hopefully... By seeing that deception, may be more skeptical about the people who oversee their finances and, and make people more frankly attentive about the way they manage their own money. Bernie Madoff could be remarkably convincing. And he told lots of stories. But you know, every time I left that prison and stood in the parking lot, I would second guess it all. And even to this day, I'm not sure which parts were truth and which parts were fiction. Oh, Sorkin. Thanks, Sorkin, for that little insight. Him and Bernie Madoff. Can you imagine that? Don't you want to French kiss Andrew Ross Sorkin right now? Could he be any sexier? <laughs> Jeez, can you kiss a voice? Can no, you kiss a voice? My God, I don't want to French Andrew. kiss Andrew Ross You know he recorded that like seven times. He's like, how can I be sexier? How can I be sexier? <laughs> In any case, let's get to the content of what Look he's saying. Rather, the Canadian! Usual. The All Canadian. Right, that guy's the Andrew, sexiest Canadian since Wayne Gretzky. Uh, Janet Gretzky, is that her name? Janet. Wayne's wife, Janet Jones. She's not Jesus. Canadian. But in any Hello. case. Anyway, oh, my gosh. Let me just, okay, when you're oh done comparing him to Janet Gretzky. What's her name, Janet Gretzky? I, 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 yes, she was an, an actress for a short She was in time. The Flamingo Kid, probably one of she Matt was, Matt Dillon's oh best God. films. It is. It's a great film. It's actually a great, it's a great really film. really cool, listen, cute film. Listen, adorable Anyways. film. I bet you felt like him at the time working at the at the at the club. And yeah, minus minus the good looks um, and talent. Exactly. Okay. That's right. my life. All right. Listen to me. <laughs> Anyways, get that wasn't Matt Damon. That was what's his Matt name? Matt Dillon. No, Matt Dillon. Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Anyway. All right. I want you to talk about the content of Bernie Madoff. You worked on Wall Street. You yeah. understand this kind of thing. What is the legacy of Bernie Madoff? And what do you think of what uh, what uh, your, your dr McDreamy said? Look, the thing that uh, I read about Bernie Madoff and it 
You know, it takes me to a, a, a different place, not about Wall Street, but what about, you know, what it means to be a man and a father uh-huh. and failing as a person. And that yeah. is- That's right, his son killed um, himself. I think you incrementally make rationalizations. First off, the storytelling was amazing here. He said, he didn't say, I can get you great returns. He said, I can get you modest returns, but they're safer with this thing called a paired trade. Yeah. And that was, if you're looking for 20 or 30%, go to those venture capitalists. Uh, I just liars. do four to yeah. 6% a year. It sounded very adult and very measured. And the sexiest word in the English language was leveraged by Bernie Madoff. Yeah. And that word is no. When anyone yeah. called him to invest, he would say, sorry, I don't have the capacity. Right. And that would make them totally horny to get in. And then the next time he called and said, I have a small allocation, they would want to put in two or three X. Yep. And here's the thing, incrementally, incrementally, he led not only him, but I think a lot about masculinity and manhood and what it means to be a man. I think what it means to be a man is to demonstrate strength and skills and intellect and kindness such that you can gather enough resources to provide economic security to protect others, specifically protect your children. And this is where Bernie Madoff ended up. He ended up waking up in a cold cell, putting his feet on a cold ground, on the cold ground after, after one of his sons had killed himself Mm -hmm. because of his lies and the second son died of cancer. Yeah. I mean, this guy, this guy, for the people who lost money from him and damned him to hell, they got their wish. This guy went to hell and his wife is now living in Palm Beach broke after having lost her two sons. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a failure and a lesson on a cosmic level. It really is. I, there's been several movies done on the whole thing, which have been quite good, actually. But what do you, from from a Wall Street point of view, you know, why? What does it say? And what does it say? Ne- could this could happen again and again? I would assume this is going to happen again and again. Yeah, I'm not sure it isn't happening now. I, I don't. Yeah. I mean, the weird thing is, the really weird thing here is. <laughs> Bernie Madoff, in terms of talking it up and then paying off your investors, uh, granted it's illegal, but yeah. I, always think about, I always think about Elizabeth Holmes. What if Elizabeth mm-hmm. Holmes had raised another billion dollars and they found that Edison Machine or whatever it was called started working? Yeah. Would she still be on the cover of Forbes? I, I do think when in frothy times, the line yeah. between vision and fraud get increasingly narrow mm-hmm. because we'll put up you know, the kind of, I don't, I don't even call it fake it till you make it. It's like fraud it till you make it. Yeah. And uh, you can see- I feel like I, that a lot. Yeah, a lot of these things. And my, my fraternity brother, a kid named Brad Ruderman, nice kid, mm-hmm. started a family office, hedge fund, got in over his head, didn't want to disclose his losses because he knew the moment he disclosed the losses, he would, the AUM would go to zero. So you know what he did? He started playing poker. And he oh. actually ended up blowing up Molly's game. Uh, He ended up, he's like, okay, I'm going to go start playing high stakes poker. And so I can lie about my returns. And that ended up blowing up that whole thing. Uh, So look, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a great lesson um, for young people, especially. And again, I know I'm sounding sexist here. I think Mm -hmm. men are more prone to these incremental bad decisions that put other people at risk. I think, I I don't know if it's because they feel more pressure to be economically a baller. There's lots of studies of that. With governments uh, and, you know, the Iceland situation, that was one of the yeah. things they looked at. Um, and so was the dudes, money. the whales that put J.P. Morgan at risk with a $2 billion trade. It's never yeah. a woman on the distress credit desk. Yeah. 
It's yeah. just strange. And I don't know if it's because women have been precluded well, I think from opportunities. One of the things there, about Bernie Madoff, it, it was an amazing story. Like, right, look, it was this sort of like long con that this guy put on forever. It was someone who was so well regarded and had so many people sort of saying trust in Bernie. And it was it was this idea, um, you know, the sort of high level people who thought they were safe that were not safe. Um, and and the, the kind of devastation he wrought on people's lives was just, uh, you know, it went on and on. I remember a story at the time, you know, the newspapers are covering it rather heavily and it was story after story after story. And then his own personal story of his kids was even, you know, it just was sort of the icing on a fetid cake. Devastating. It was devastating. The whole thing was devastating. And I think that that I, I would have loved to have seen an interview with him, with with with, uh, with uh, Andrew, because you want to see what it looks like. Who would do that? Who would do that? Like, and keep doing it and, and, and be, you know, so consistent about that. That's what I, I think would be like, I, I just, when people do things like this, I'm always like, what? Wasn't there a moment? And it didn't seem like it was with Madoff during the trial or things like that. And I just would love to have seen that interview. I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin didn't get to uh, to tape it. Um, but uh, but another one of these one of these stories we always say, oh, it'll never happen again. I think it does happen all the time, and I think it is amazing it, it, that we may still have situations in place where lots of companies can do stuff like this, continuing with hedge funds and other things. The story that's uh, if there's a silver lining here, I forget who was the administrator charged with uh, with collecting funds, but he did a great job. And that is he went yeah. back to all the people who had taken out profits and said, you registered these profits under the auspices of fraud. You need to give every penny back. And yeah. he actually, I believe he ended up recovering most yeah. or all of the billion. funds. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And it, of the you know, my sense yeah. is... My sense is obviously you got to figure out how did the virus of Bernie Madoff ever happen, but the immunities that kicked in, I think yes. the algebra of deterrence is the most powerful cop in history. Yeah. And that is nobody is going to send money to the sailing coach at Stanford in exchange for getting their son in right now. Because Aunt yeah. Be- Becky doing a perp walk and Bernie Madoff dying knowing that his two sons 82. He's not very dead. old either. He's not very old. Um, they didn't you know, that is fantastic. Dead. That is fantastic algebra of deterrence. Well, he deserved every bit of pain, as far as I can tell. I'm not a losing your two writer. sons. I don't know. That's that's. I, know. I think what I he agree, did was wrong. I think he should I have died in prison. But I think he paid. He did it to himself. He did. He made every choice he made. Every uh, choice he uh, made. I, I agree. He he endured what no parent. Uh, that, that's your worst nightmare for every parent. Well, I agree, but I think he did it. So we're going to have different opinions about that. I would never do such a thing to my children. Anyway. Uh, said she said before she does something terrible. Anyway, um, all right. Uh, Buy Dogecoin. <laughs> Buy Dogecoin. Anyway, let's move on to listener mail. Let's roll the tape. You've got, you've got. I can't believe I'm going to be a mailman. You, you, you've got mail. Hey, Karen Scott. My name's Claire. I'm 22 years old from San Francisco. My question today is about Russia's decision to slow down Twitter for the next month. They've said it's because of the platform's issues regarding drug use and child pornography, but I'm wondering why they wouldn't just ban the platform altogether. Does slowing it down mean members of my generation effectively won't use it because our attention spans are too short? And do we buy that they're actually doing it because of the platform's content issues or because so many people are posting pro-Navalny, anti-Putin messages? Would love to hear your opinion about this. 
Thanks both. Huge fans of the show. Oh, that's a fascinating question from Claire. Yeah. Claire, thank you so much. You know, they're slowing it down because of Navalny. That's it. Uh, you know, I don't think they care about their people or or how they're, they're doing child pornography, et cetera, or they'd shut it down. You're right. That's what they would do. Um, and I don't think it's particularly effective to do so. Um, it is an interesting idea to slow it down. Um, but I think more we have to get to the cause, the root causes of the problem. Um, I doubt the U.S. would ever do something similar with Twitter at all. I don't know. Scott, you're a shareholder. What do you think? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and posit that perhaps the Russian government isn't being totally forthcoming. And if I had to guess what's going on here, it's that they're scientists and they have very smart, they have a very smart intelligence unit, the GRU, has figured out a way to um, garner information and uh, is basically engaging in espionage. And part of that part of that es- uh, ability to hack into people's user profiles or anticipate actions on Twitter or in, in, inform their security apparatus is to slow down. It's They're getting access. My guess is they're getting access to what information they're trying to garner on Twitter. But mm-hmm. before the public has a chance to trade or the media in that information, they huh? get to slow it down, alter it, or have some sort of intelligence edge. Huh? But the notion that they're doing this, for I, I mean, that's just ridiculous. This is a... This is some very smart people in the GRU who said we can anticipate actions, we can anticipate media stories, we can spin shit before it gets yeah. spun for us on Twitter, and we'll pretend to be open, we'll pretend to be engaged in Western commerce, and we have this. Uh, the bottom line is the GRU, the Mossad, the Chinese security apparatus, uh, could in any of their wildest dreams yeah. invented a espionage vehicle called Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. And this is the GRU trying to figure out a way to better leverage uh, that security apparatus uh, internally or domestically. And the Balney stuff. I think they're just. I think that's right. It's just a way to do it without doing it. I hadn't thought of that. I think that's smart. Um, so is it going to affect Twitter? Do you think this will, this will happen with with countries if it works all over the world, presumably? They already do. They already, mostly people turn it off. Um, most countries block it or turn it off in some way instead of something like this, the slowdown. Um, I, I don't think, I, I can't imagine, I would have bet they're getting less than 1% of their revenue out of out of Russia. So I don't yeah. think it's, uh, it's interesting just theoretically and what happens to the service and, and how they're, you know, how they're exploiting uh, social media and social media executives have not shown a concern for how, their platforms are exploited uh, by bad actors to the detriment yep. of, of the government and the nation that's given them so much that they don't, you know, they don't really appreciate, yeah. in my opinion. Um, anyway, so I don't, I don't think this is a, I don't, I don't think this is a big deal. Uh, Twitter's bigger issue is that Square continues to innovate like a, like a bat out of innovation hell. Did you see uh-huh. Cash App is like on fire and yet yep. Twitter continues to put, push out stuff at about one-ninth the velocity of Square, which is exactly correlated to the fact that Jack Dorsey's wealth is 9x at Square versus it. Literally, mm-hmm. the product development and innovation at Twitter is one-ninth what it is at Square. They seem Directly to have a little bit of a jump stake. there. You think they're still like slow as molasses? Well, it's gone from it's gone from awful to bad, so I'll give them that. Um, but <laughs> But look, okay. seriously, look at the product innovation at You're the place where all of Dorsey's wealth yeah. is. It's yeah. staggering. The Cash App, they've come in and they've kicked they've kicked Venmo's ass. Yeah. And they're doing Cash App for business. They're doing, they're trading now in crypto. Yeah. 
Um, anyways, I got off. I got off point here, but I don't. I think back to Russia and Twitter. This is a GRU move, and uh, you know what we do information I, based, information need based is that they're doing it. They, Claire, they're not doing it to help people. Let's just be clear. Russia yeah, does nothing not, to help people. That's they love to do things to hurt people. In any case, it's a really interesting story. And thank you for the great question. Yeah, great question. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for the show comes from the Harvard Business Review. You know, there's this idea in business that some people are born to be leaders. You either have it or you don't. But leadership, like any skill, can and should be learned over time. Whether you've climbed the top of the corporate ladder or are just starting out, you'll find valuable insights at Harvard Business Review. Harvard Business Review is a leading destination for smart management thinking. And on their website, hbr.org, subscriptions are just $10 a month, which gives you unlimited access to the same level of expertise. Things like case studies, newsletters, podcasts, articles written by some of the world's top minds. I use HBR in my research when I do articles or when I'm thinking about what to talk about on Pivot. I find them really interesting. I find them complete. I find them different. And you can find all kinds of industries covered. While much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org slash subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, you had some great predictions last week about LG handset. I really like that. Um, What's next? What's your next prediction? Well, I, I talked about this earlier in the week. I think the best value, there's so few stocks I like. I think everything's overvalued. Uh, I, I, we made this, I think um, Alibaba is a fantastic stock right now, now that the overhang right. of this match. So I think it's trading like 220 or 240. I think it's 300 by the end of the year. I think on a risk-adjusted basis, it's a fantastic a fantastic stock to own. Uh, Compass, we predicted this. Compass is a now a broken IPO, and I think it's mm-hmm. in the single digits. Yeah, explain that. Explain that that it's that, that. Well, Compass is a broken IPO. Well, it's sort of, you know, it's like your your bar, your bat mitzvah. Everybody remembers you reading from the Torah and how you did, and mm-hmm. how I got got there with this. But an IPO I know, is basically a moment. Tangents this week, but go ahead. Yeah, but it's it. You only go public once. And yeah. it, it basically, it's a moment where the whole world establishes your momentum. Mm-hmm. And they say, okay, it, it, that's why the pop is so important because it's like, oh, clearly there's something here. Clearly this is a stock that keeps going up. And everybody says, and the, the direction feeds on itself. And that's what I just find so disingenuous about this notion that that uh, Coinbase wasn't a broken IPO. Compass is now a broken IPO. It's below its offer price. And this mm-hmm. is after, the thing about Compass, this is after they cut the valuation by a third and the number of shares available by 50%. So yep. I think this thing has all the makings of a, of a trade where the corners are collapsing. And I, I think it's about 18 bucks went public. 18 bucks, yep. Mm-hmm. At 20, it's at 18. I think it's single digits. And I think on a risk-adjusted basis, the best internet or the best stock buy in the world right now is um, is Alibaba. Alibaba. Yeah, yeah, it started. Compass started at twenty, I guess twenty, That's right. and now it's at eighteen. And that was, would you say? Well, half? I have another prediction. Can I make oh, another right, one? Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. So I had a conversation. You know, I'm so blessed. I have these these uh, really smart dudes and a few women, including yourself, in my life that call me and say, "You're all fucked up. You don't know what you're mm. talking about." And no problem. 
I get very upset and then I learn from it and I realize I'm blessed to have these people in my life. And one of those people is Roger McNamee. Uh-huh, and yes. I did a post on crypto and he called me and he said, you're missing the bigger threat here. And I said, oh. well, what do you mean? He said it like this, Scott. Scott, you're, you're missing. missing. He, he talks First, slow. He's so good. He goes, he goes, First off, I read your post and it's brilliant. Yeah, Only yeah. you can <laughs> bring Roger. these points down to yeah. he always starts with like a real, like yeah. a wonderful company. He's a very charming guy. Yeah. Anyways, and he said, look, and he really kind of blew my mind with this. He said, We need to have a talk about the security threat or the threat to our sovereignty that is uh, cryptocurrencies. And that is maybe we want weaker sovereigns. But if you think about a nation, and I've been thinking about this a lot. It's really two things. It's the ability to tax and it's the ability mm-hmm. to um, impose violence or specifically take aircraft carrier forces and um, and deploy force yeah. uh, in favor of your interests, which has led to a nation that has 5% of the population and 30% of our resources. Our contracts are enforced. People are scared to try and interrupt our supply chains. Uh, our ability to, to leverage or deploy violence is an enormous asset for us, and it's funded by our ability to tax our citizens. And if you don't pay your taxes, again, more violence, a man with a gun shows up and puts you in a cage. And if with without the ability to do those two things, yeah. you're, you really don't have a nation. You have a protocol or a platform, to use a, a crypto term. And crypto is probably the greatest threat to those two sovereign assets. Yeah. because. If you look at ransomware, if you look at the ability to launder money, if you look at the ability to perhaps engage in tax evasion, if you look at the uh, potential risk to the markets with extreme volatility or something that ends up being the mud, like something that makes Bernie Madoff look kind of cute and cuddly. Yeah. You know, it all kind of roads lead to crypto. And the problem is just as 92% of our elected representatives who are supposed to regulate big tech don't have a background in technology or engineering, I've always said my thought here is I understand crypto better than 99% of the population, and yeah. I do not understand crypto. So I can't even imagine how few of our elected representatives and our regulators actually understand Yeah, it definitely the needs to be addressed. Here. Janet so, Yellen's got to get on this. So that's my prediction. My prediction is I think that there's not – not only is there a new sheriff in town with Biden, there's about – there's a new sheriff that has 40 additional IQ points, and that is the people that Biden is surrounding himself with just in general uh, are just much smarter. Okay. And I think that Janet Yellen and some of the people in the administration uh, are going to recognize that this is an existential threat, and we're going to see yeah, some I do too. decisions here. Because what you have with China, what you have with India, especially China, especially with Russia, yeah. they have a vested interest in ensuring or seeing if cryptocurrency can unseat the dollar the as dollar, a default huh? currency. Peter, Peter Thiel, he said it the other night, remember, in the Nixon well, speech. There's some truth to it. But anyways, we're about yes. to see, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, we're, the SEC says we're going to look at SPACs. Jesus Christ, look yeah. at crypto for God's sake. And by the way, they might decide this is a healthy, robust component of capitalism. We're going to let a thousand flowers bloom. But I yeah. want, I'd like to see really smart people. Indeed, it's really it's tearing this apart. But it may be at the speed that they they regulated tech, which is tech, which is to say never, which is kind of interesting. We'll see Still where waiting. they get. You know, oddly enough, Roger McMeet literally just texted me and said, yeah. "Oh my God, the umbrellas you and Claire are continuing source of joy to me." I posted a picture of me and Claire with these umbrellas. He's so good, isn't he? 
I know. He just was, uh, it just was funny. Roger And you know what you got with Roger? What? He, he might be wrong, but his heart's in the right place. Yep. He's just literally I mean, doing all of this because- He gets attacked a lot by the, by the Silicon Valley people because they see him as a, they try to make fun a of him. A turncoat. Yeah. They do. But, they but here's the thing. They try to make him look like a, like a boob and stuff like that. It's not fair. Yeah, but he, he, he's, he's as close to an academic or the spirit of academia, which is to pursue the truth regardless of who it offends- He's not doing this for money. No. He's not talking his book. He's doing it because he thinks this is an existential well, threat to our economy. He's found Jesus, as they say. Yeah. I'm you a know. big fan of Roger. Anyway, Roger, he's a big fan of yours. He agrees with you. Anyway, all right, Scott, that's all the time we have. Don't forget, if you have a story in the news, if you want to hear our opinion or submit your questions, at do it at nymag.com slash pivot. Scott, can you read us out and then take off on your fabulous vacation? Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis, Ernie Andrew Todd, engineered this episode. Thanks also to Hannah Rosen and Drew Burrows. Make sure you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. The Swisher family invades the beach of Galloway. Next week. I'm coming. Come on down. I'm coming down. That's I'm right. You better lock That's up your right. liquor, as I like to say. I'm going to look through all your things. There's gonna, there better not be a weird room. Someone actually said that to me. They said, I wonder if Scott room? has a weird room. At his- <laughs> the weird room is called my house. I know, but they said like a special room. Like a Honestly. panic room? I, no, I think it was more like a dungeon. It was fairly boring <laughs> at the Galloway episode. I feel uh, like it was household. a dungeon. I was like, I don't think he has a dungeon. I literally was, it was someone that is a credible person asked me this. I will be looking for that dungeon. Just a lot of everybody. WandaVision and playing with a puppy. That's the All right. Okay, here. we're very excited to come. We'll see you next week. <laughs> 